I would assume an idea is going to work and spend a lot of time to perfect it before it launch, and only to find out no one wants this thing. And welcome to Everyday Leadership, a podcast where you get to listen and learn how to lead yourself personally and professionally through the lessons and life experiences my guests share in the hope that it challenges and inspires you to lead yourself from the inside out and not the outside in. On today's episode of Everyday Leadership, I have the pleasure of having a conversation with uh, Sean Kim. He is the president and the chief product officer of Kajabi. Those of you know Kajabi, it's an amazing platform for, I want to say for creators like myself or coaches like myself. And it's a world leading platform for like creating courses, go to market strategies, different things like that. So it's an amazing platform. Prior to that, he's had head of product positions at TikTok, worked for a small company like Amazon, has so much more experience all the way through. So I have the absolute pleasure to have a conversation and you learn from those lessons over the last number of years. How are you doing, Sean? Good. How's it going? And, you know, and thank you for having me. So it was good to look back at someone like yourself and be like, what was that path and that journey for you? So I'm, I'm curious, younger, teenage Sean, what those years like? I've always had some entrepreneurial you know, spirit in me back in the day. You know, even when I was much younger, I would sell things at school, right? And try to uh, make some money that way. I, you know, I, used to, I used to actually collect cans at all point. I'd try to make some money. Cans. Yeah, because if you collect aluminum cans and you take them to the station and then they would give you some I think like pennies for every can that you collected and so on. That's how I used to make some money on the side. And even when I was much younger, I used to go to Korea, buy socks in bulk, these toe socks where you, it's kind of close for your toes and sell those at school for a couple of dollars a pair. Then when I moved to New York, it was so expensive there that... I had to find other means of uh, income. And one of the things I used to do at my first job was to uh, make Korean food at home and then bring it to the office and sell it. I had no shame. Like, it's like, it's like yeah, you got to do what you got to do, right, to make it. So that's just kind of the uh, entrepreneurial spirit that I had ever since I was young to make sure I... Are able to pay the bills all the time, right? but you know it's, it's like. Uh, but a lot of those, all those lessons though, have definitely helped me. I think build some grid and realize what people actually are willing to pay for. How to build the offer the best customer experience, right? You know, even with the lunch, I used to, I used to pack for employees at work. I over time, I realized, hey, I should probably start building a menu and like asking people in advance so I can like kind of predict what food I can make in bulk. There's a lot of things that did, did like kind of improve that the whole experience. But yeah, I mean, just thinking back to that, it's, it's uh, I, I don't regret it at all, man. I think it was a really good way for me to just build grit over time. Well, like you had the, the early advance, like DoorDash, Uber Eats <laughs> idea way back in the day. I wasn't scalable, that's for sure, but uh, you know, it, it was definitely a good experience. And, I, and then since then, I've, had, I've tried launching multiple startups as well, right? I had, a, I had a version of Yelp way back in the day called Seal Lunch. And I actually coded the whole experience myself, built up the overall website experience, you know, taught myself HTML, JavaScript, went door to door to restaurants to like get them to onboard and provide me coupons and things like that. So people are willing to come and up to the website and take advantage of those and hopefully bring more foot traffic to the restaurants. I had startups that offered then after that point, like um, built websites as well as, you know, as CMS solutions for local businesses. So since I learned to code and learned to design and so on, I kind of like took that and said, I can do this for other local businesses and restaurants and websites and so on. So I, I did that at one point. 
Uh, and then I even had apps that I've worked on as well. That whole journey was, it's amazing. But you know, ultimately I definitely have a lot of, I kind of had that entrepreneurial spirit. Yeah, which is why I'm going to look back at your career and sort of the business that you just described now. I was curious, I was like, why did you decide to go into the, what I'm going to call the corporate, even though they're not quote unquote corporate companies, but why did you decide to go down that route rather than keeping that entrepreneurial side of things going? I've had some startups that, again, like, like I mentioned, were successful as well as some that have failed. Regarding corporate, I think like there was, it was definitely in the beginning a means to an end, right? Like, hey, like, there's a lot of learning that can be had in these companies that I'm working at. You know, when I was working at, for instance, experience email, I learned a lot about email marketing and how to deliver the best experience and services to Fortune 500 companies and, and how, to, how to do email marketing, right? That's the skill set that I learned that was at the company. And then, you know, work, working at Amazon, like, it was probably one of the best experiences I've ever had as well. Like, you know, really understanding how to deliver the best value to customers, ensuring that you're offering the best experience. But, you know, I think over time, I really loved working at these companies as well. You know, I really got used to providing my value at these companies and moved up the rates here. And it's a chance for me to like work at scale at some of these like large companies, right? Like Amazon and obviously TikTok and now Kajabi. I think it's important to have that entrepreneurial kind of spirit, even if you're working at these big companies, right? So you can really be scrappy and have that sense of urgency and want to make sure you're delivering the best experience for your customers. I was probably having that entrepreneur where it's, which I see a lot. And I guess that was like when I went to corporate as well, you have that drive to be able to create, move, execute, where you're just doing it in, in a corporate environment. And he's always those people who you also see rising up really, really quickly because the way they approach work is like that they're working for themselves. <laughs> so one thing I've also seen play out is that can also be difficult for other people who are not used to working at that pace and in that way. So how have you learned to, to adapt your style with other people, other teams that you've led in those different organizations you've worked with? Every company is a little different. For sure, right? I think learning to work with others really, really valuable, you know, asset. And, you know, it's really just making sure that we're all aligned on what the company purpose and mission is. And everyone's there with the best intentions, right? They're ultimately wanting to help ensure the company is successful. Fundamentally, just need everyone need to align and understand that's, that's the truth. Now, then on top of that, it's like, hey, how do we ensure that we have the right, set the right expectation in the bar in terms of what is great, right? And that, may, that might take a little bit of like going back and forth in terms of like how we work with teams to say, this is what I think is great. Right? Proud of the work that you're doing. Are you ready to showcase this to the world? Be open to feedback as well as like giving feedback teams to push them to greatness, right? This is where I think there's probably a lot of areas that some teams may be uncomfortable saying, well, hey, you're, uh, you're a product, why are you getting feedback on marketing? Or you're a marketing, why are you getting feedback on product or customer service or even you know, in, uh, to the financial team or the project management team, whatever it might be, right? But I think that everyone should have curiosity about these different organizations. Everyone should have an opinion, right? Ultimately, the best idea should win. So, you know, as an uh, employee at these companies, I really encourage people to attend these meetings, even if it's not, like, for instance, a product management meeting that goes over the product experience. I invite many different teams. That's because I want to see how other people view this experience, not just the product managers, the designers, right? Like, they're not my customer, right? The, the customer is the people that are going to be using this tool or this app or whatever it is we're building. So you want to get many diverse different viewpoints on this experience. And they might catch something that we didn't see because we were so focused on one thing or another. So it's, again, like, I think I just want to make sure that everyone has, uh, is open to feedback, understanding that different by diverse points are really important to, this, to ensuring that we provide the best possible experience to customers. Uh, and that just means that, again, uh, everyone is uh, acceptable to 
working together and uh, and just you know taking that feedback in. It's, it's never personal. It's always about just making sure we have the best experience. That's definitely a different <laughs> different way of working. So when I think back to products and people building products, a lot of times it's like we build in, in a sense, isolation. You know, then never, never let any other areas of the business kind of see what you're doing until like you get that final product. So being able to get other people's perspectives and leading to that right during that creation process is quite innovative, actually. I like it. We first start with the customer, right? We always talk to customers. We ask them what's working, what's not working, what we could potentially do to improve the product. What is their biggest challenge with running a business, for instance, or trying to be a content creator or the value getting from a membership or it might be. And then with that, we'll try to think of solutions. Right? You know, we'll think about, you know, what is the best way to solve this problem for the customer? In that process, I invite many teams. It's not just the product team trying to think about every single potential solution. I invite people from customer experience, I invite people from FinOps, financial operations, and I invite people from marketing, because people have very unique, interesting perspectives and ideas on how to approach the how to approach the problem. And you'll be surprised at some of the really amazing ideas that come out, right? Engineering teams and, and so on. So I think so, you know, I think uh, that process itself is really, really critical to ensure that we have a diverse viewpoint perspectives on how to push the problem. And then, you know, and then we'll ensure that we have essentially the best ideas that we will then get behind and, and build. What is it that lets you know when it's time to to leave and go somewhere new? Because when I look at your background from Experian, DirecTV, even at DirecTV, I was reading that, I think you're one of the founders of like Shark Tank, one of the successful programs they had in there to Amazon, to TikTok, and now to Jarby. You start to read it, you're like, these are big names with big titles. And you've been willing to be like, okay, I know my time's up. Go somewhere else. What is that? Because you can see people who are stuck in these organizations for 10, 20, 30 years, and they don't want to let go of it because they're big names. But you have that, there's something driving you. I'm curious to see what is that. I think each of those different jobs had different reasons. Early in your career, it's for me like trying to get learn as much as possible and, and work with maybe a manager. I think is going to really help me grow. Yeah. Right, I think that's really important. Definitely finding the right people to be around uh, that's going to really catapult your career because they open new doors for you. They uh, push in a direction that you know they didn't go to look at. To, you know that they get you out of your comfort zone. Definitely working with people or managers and so on earlier in career is really important that, that I want to do that for you. And then later, I think it's following your passions and challenging yourself again. Like, so again, like early in your career about like finding the right managers, finding the right people to work with that's going to get you out of your comfort zone uh, and then try new things. But then once you find your passions and once, once you uh, want to, you know, seek certain types of industries or fields, it's, uh, Find the companies that will really challenge you and help you do that. So that's you know, one of the reasons I worked at Amazon is because I really wanted to push myself and work with some of the top product managers and leaders and engineers and designers in the world, you know, and go shoulder to shoulder to see how I stack <laughs> stack up, right? You know, so and then really you know, push myself. So you know that that's and of course like you're you know it's uh, it was a really amazing experience, right? So it's really just, you know, pushing yourself and making sure that you're continually improving your craft. When I was at Amazon, actually, when I was, the switch that I made to TikTok was the interesting one. TikTok actually reached out one day and said, hey, there's this really interesting role. Uh, would you be interested? I downloaded the app at the time and I saw kids dancing and lip syncing. I was like, what? <laughs> What is this? What? What? Why? Why would I join this app? I mean, this is crazy. So I actually called them back and said, "No, I'm not. I'm not, I'm not joining this company." Uh, <laughs> and then the founder, uh, Alex Su, he reached out and said, "Hey, let's let's uh, talk about it. You know, come come down to California. Let's meet in person, and uh, we'll 
uh, you know, discuss the role and what this company could potentially be. When I met with them, you know, he, you know, flat out said, yeah, the content's not very diverse. We, <laughs> there's, there's a lot of work to be done to improve this thing. But we figured out something that many companies have not figured out. We've figured out discovery. And discovery is actually really, really hard to do, right? A lot of people actually search for what they want, right? Amazon, like, you know, you, you search for what you want, and then you have everything. Or you go to Google, you search, you know what you want, you go there and search for it. Discovery is a whole different problem. But so when I heard, like, oh, you fear discovery, I got pretty fascinated about that. He also mentioned, too, like, hey, short-form video is the way that people will consume content in the future. I was like, that's interesting as well, right? Really cool. And then the last thing is like, hey, look, you know, if we figure out these two, we can enable the last mile experiences uh, so that people can discover and transact, right? So that means like if we help people discover what books to read, what movies to watch, where to travel, what to eat, what's the latest fashion trends, it also means that like if you're ready to transact, they can enable that within that within that experience. And that's when I got really, really excited. I was like, wow, this could really re revolutionize the way people travel, decide what books to read, and you know, what, what movies to watch. And so I think that's where I got really excited. And, and, and it was a risk that I pick, essentially. It's like, hey, I have to get out of my comfort zone again, take a risk with the startup that's not very well known, especially three years ago, right? And see where that goes. So, you know, I think that journey was more about just taking that risk and, and seeing what, I could potentially accomplish at the startup. So while I was there though, I think it was, it was I mean, obviously TikTok is, was a really unique experience. Uh, but uh, over time, I actually had a really, I grew a love for the creators and a lot of respect for creators because they were creating, they were the ones like creating all the content for the platform. And when I, and, and so like meeting with the creators and learning about their motivations and What's working for them? What's not working for them? Their, you know, uh, the, the problems and struggles. I learned a lot about their entire life cycle. Right? So, when you're a creator early in your career. You're more about like gaining uh, social credit and followers, right? Like, likes, comments, shares, and things like that. But then there's a certain point where you're spending a lot of time creating content every single day. I mean, you're creating like you're, you're spending three hours a day, then four, then five, then six. Now, at one point you're thinking like, this is taking up a lot of time. I gotta, I should probably get compensated for it, right? I gotta, I gotta make a living here. And so, you know, we've tried to figure out different ways to help creators earn a living. We've enabled billion dollar creator funds. We enabled uh, tipping on a pop-up page, gifting in videos, uh, live stream and so on. And you know, I think uh, for the most part, some creators were successful, right? It was a really small percentage. The majority of long tail creators were not able to earn really meaningful income. You know, I think during that time, I was like, well, let's find a startup that's actually doing that incredibly well. Who's doing it really well, right? What are they doing really well? Why are creators uh, doing really well on that platform? Do that research and then just copy them, right? <laughs> There's no shame in the copying game. Let's just figure out who's doing it. <laughs> but, uh, you know, in that process, we found Kajabi. Kajabi is basically like came up with the very top of the list. And like, Kajabi, that's interesting. Starting into this business. And and throughout this research, you know, we, we, we you know, met with certain people and so on. And and uh, I got the opportunity to, to work here. And, it, but, you know, like working with, in, you know, in, in this company means, or doing this job means, like I have to now oversee a much bigger team, uh, comes with different responsibilities, and it was definitely again pushing me out of my comfort zone. Uh, so that was uh, something that I didn't get. And then, and then the opportunity itself, I thought, like, was it wasn't like an opportunity, and this, uh, and I have a passion and love for helping creators build a meaningful business. So all those factors combined, I thought this is the right time to make that switch, right? Uh, and, and so that's essentially how I made those decisions. It's like, man, this is the, the time, the opportunities pushing out of comfort zone. It's a really amazing company. 
customers yeah. I talked to were loved the team, the business, and people were making like some people have made over a hundred million dollars from the platform. Right. Wow. Yeah. So when I hear this, wow, like, it goes like, really, really well. So that's essentially why I decided that it was, it was time to join and see what I could potentially do to take this project to the next level. In your time at TikTok, and even now at Kajabi, did you become one of the creators? Did you get involved and start to do your own thing as well? Yeah, you know, I, I, I do have a TikTok channel. I, it's not... <laughs> I have like maybe 10,000 followers. Uh, you know, it's tough, man. You know, being a creator is not easy. Hats off to creators for sure. It's, it's, it's a tough space. So I do, I do have, yeah, I do have content I create here and there. And then with Kajabi, I'm, I'm definitely thinking about building something as well. Uh, we do have like, uh, you know, free accounts so we can like play with and so on. But it's, it's fascinating. I, I think creating content is, uh, is a really rewarding experience. And I really applaud people to, uh, that make it successful. It's interesting for me. It's, um, and this is me making a link. But when I listen to you talk about your early entrepreneurship journey to where you are right now with TikTok and Kajabi, it sounds very much like you can relate to you being an up-and-coming entrepreneur, doing it by yourself, and you recognize how hard it was when you didn't have an infrastructure behind you. And the last two roles, the last role and this current one has been around Okay, what can we do for entrepreneurs to give them that space in place to not to experience the thing I never had? And that's what you're creating in the companies you're working in. Yeah, you know, that's a, that's a good point. Essentially, like, I, I, feel, I feel their pain. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, you know, it's like, how do I ensure that we provide the best possible tools and services to help you be successful in your, in your entrepreneurship journey? Right. So I think that's the, yeah, that's a good way to look at it. And, and I think that's essentially why it's like kind of like go full circle back, right. To working on helping creators build websites, uh, and, uh, helping creators then create their content and, and host their content and market their content. Right. So it's kind of like, you know, all the experiences that I've learned led up to this moment. Right. So I learned about digital marketing, learned about uh, subscription businesses, right? I learned about creators, I learned about how to build websites, and now it's like this business is essentially all that. So. You mentioned a number of times around stepping outside your comfort zone, stepping outside your comfort zone. What has helped you to keep on being able to step outside your comfort zone? Really, there's an earlier you mentioned, like, I want to be surrounded with people who like who are smart, smart than me so I can challenge them and challenge me. And I don't know, like, um, sometimes you're like, well, <laughs> that could bring out other parts of you. <laughs> that could make you feel a bit inferior. But for you, it was like, this is amazing. This is what I want to do. This iron is sharpens iron kind of mindset, which is not something that everyone else has naturally. It's, it's, uh, it's because it's so rewarding once you've gone through that hardship. You know, I think that's what, at least for me, like that's what's uh, been really, really rewarding uh, in my career and life is like, you grow through these moments where you put your blood, sweat, tears into building something or improving your, your skills or, or, you know, whatever it might be, right? There's things that you dedicated a lot of your effort to. And you come out on the other side um, much stronger and going, having gone through it. And you look back and say, like, wow, you know, like, I accomplished that. You know, and that's a very rewarding, rewarding feeling. I think, like, if you look at back, look back at life, there's just a lot of moments like this, right? Like, uh, where you just spent a lot of your, a lot of effort to you know, accomplish something, and, and once you do, it's like, wow, you know, great, you know, on to the next. You know, I'll be completely frank. Like, even doing podcasts, keynotes, talk, you know, getting on stage, talking to thousands of people, there's a in the beginning. Of, I was not comfortable at all. <laughs> right? Like, uh, public speaking, not comfortable. It was, it was uh, and I knew at that moment, like, oh man, this is scary. You know, what if I say the wrong thing? What if, like, people see how nervous I am? How do I get over this thing? But that's that, that's that moment you realize, like, this is something I gotta also work on. Uh, this is something that I get better at. And, and you will, right? It's a skill, right? And then once you do, and you get up, you, you get over it, and then you get better at it. And, you know, and it takes time. It's not like 
progress in a straight line, right? You'll fumble a little bit and you'll make some mistakes. And, but then like over time, you get better and better and better, right? I'm still trying to get better <laughs> doing podcasts. <laughs> I'm not saying I'm an expert at it, but once you get better, you know, you look back and say, you know, wow, you look at what I accomplished, right? And so that's, that's, that's important. That's why, you know, again, it's just important to push yourself out of comfort zone. Uh, I think everyone should go through that. So. When you worked at Amazon and based on the, the role that you had, I'm assuming that you were working closely with people like Jeff and the rest of the team. And from other descriptions that I've seen around people who worked at Amazon, they talked about how it was, it was quite challenging in the sense that it helped you grow, but it also sometimes made you feel like there's a lot I don't know. All the time. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I learned so much at Amazon. I think um, what the big takeaways is like how much leaders deep dive into the the details. It's not just breadth, but it's also depth, right? You can really understand fundamentally what the problem is you're trying to solve. Then you can really understand what the solution is and how we can improve that solution. So leaders would be incredibly involved with the details and we would launch like Amazon devices, right? When I first joined, we had just a Kindle, but over time we launched our tablets, our TV, dash buttons, which, you know, didn't work out very well. Fire phone didn't work out. There's the Echo, right? All those launches, man, like leadership top down were involved to the details, meaning like they were reading the emails we were sending out. They were uh, reviewing the product detail page and, helping us determine what the best image to use, what the bullet points should say to represent the product, and the, what custom testimonials we should use. I mean, like, that's the level of detail these top leaders were involved in. And it made me realize how important it is to really understand you know, the, and be involved with the details as well. I tell the story all the time. I, I, there was this one time I uh, launched a campaign on the Amazon homepage and had a spelling error. And Jeff, Jeff B takes a screenshot of it and uh, puts it in the email. It makes its way down to me. And the only thing in the email was the screenshot and the question mark. Right. And I was like, oh man, I, I was like, I was like, uh, scared shitless. I was like, oh, oh man, I'm going to get fired. <laughs> Luckily, I didn't get fired, but that's the level of detail that's expected. He is, he had the time to like look on the homepage that day and find this little spelling error. And then it wasn't even like this big, copy or headlining was like a it was it wasn't a fine print it's a legal fine print that's why i was like even more amazed that this guy like was looking at the legal fine print and saw spelling error and was like and caught it <laughs> so, so that's yeah again that, that's the level of detail that's expected and, and I, I, I loved it i loved it i mean it's like really made you understand that they needed to go deep right deep dive is like a leadership principle right that took that to heart and, and uh you know now it's like a way i I'll, operate anywhere i go and I expect the same for my lieutenants, the people I work with, right? The people I work with across my team as well as other teams. It's like, just like, it's that, you know, no job is beneath you, right? You, uh, as a leader, should be able to go dive deep, understand the details of what you're launching, understand the business end to end. And, uh, and, uh, and I think that's just a, that's essentially the playbook to success. It's quite interesting because normally you, you get the, narrative that says as leaders, especially as senior leaders, you only, you know enough to get by and have a conversation, but then it's your people who are the subject matter experts who are in it, who are doing the thing because they're more operational and you're more strategic. Therefore, if you have time to be in the thing and understand the detail at that level, then that's a problem. This is a slightly different way of looking at it. There's, there's not expectation that the leadership will be involved with every single email that's gets sent out, right? You know, I mean, yeah, I don't want to give the impression like that leadership's looking at every single every single email that's sent out for every single campaign every single day. That's because there's no way you can do that. It's not scalable. But for really big initiatives, the go to market, how we represent the product, to give it the best chance of success, we should be involved. Like the leadership team should be involved, right? And then once it's out the door, we get a lot of data to understand how we can make it better. The teams can start optimizing, iterating, executing. 
But I think that's uh, it, it is important that uh, it's, it's the it's the founder mentality, right? Even no matter how big you are, the founder, if you start a company, you're gonna you're gonna be involved like, with everything about the business, right? So that mentality is never, just never gone away, even though Amazon has how many employees, right? <laughs> it's, that mentality is never gone away. Yeah, it's just like it's like that. It's the they call it the day one mentality. Yeah, so that's just the important aspect of it. And I think it's also the same as how TikTok operated, right? The founder of TikTok, Alex Liu, would be involved with actual user experience designs. We would look at the designs together and he would make uh, feedback on where the button should be placed. He would start with the user experience and say, hey, here's how we should be presenting this experience. So it's, you know, I think like if you look at these great companies that that founder mentality and, uh, you know, and being involved in the details is always there. You said it's a point when you own it, when you're the founder of it, you approach it very, very differently. And there's a level of care and detail that you have that not everyone else is always going to have. You try and get them into it, but it's that recognition that there's still always that extra element and step into that as well. When we're launching the uh, TikTok TV app experience, right? We would go into the room with Alex and he would review the experience with us and say, hey, we should make this change, that change. Can you come back and have another version of this experience? We're launching certain features like the playlist, and, you know, the, yeah, the, literally all the really big initiatives that TikTok was personally involved in. He would review that experience with us. Have you had much failure in your career? Failure? I mean, this is part of uh, this is part of the job. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I've told my team, I mean, like, if you're not failing, you're probably not betting big enough. You know, I, I had plenty of failures, man. Like, uh, um, a lot of products I've launched in the past haven't worked out, right? But out of those products that I launched, we learned a lot. We learned what no, well, obviously, no, what what didn't work, and then how we can, you know, pivot or iterate uh, or and some other learnings that come out from those failures. But yeah, I've definitely launched things, uh, many of these companies, and the things that just, you know, some of these things just didn't work out. So do you have a process that allows you to, to reflect, learn the lesson, and then kind of move forward? And now are you a stage because of the experience you have where if that does happen, you can bounce back a lot quicker than previously, or does it still hurt? <laughs> I definitely let my teams know, like, hey, failure is part of the process. You know, it's expect to fail. You know that you're making progress when you're failing, right? Versus um, everything launches that's performing well. Like, if, if everything works all the time, it definitely means that, that people are not taking big swings. They're just, like, iterating and optimizing on things that work, that, that, that will work, right? Like, oh, it's, like, it's a small bit. When it comes to big bets, and uh, you know, we, we definitely have a process. You know, like we talk to customers, we understand what the problem is, we know exactly who the customers are, and then we'll think of a solution and build out an MVP. Right? We try to validate the solution quickly so we fail fast. It's not working, and then we'll take that experience and then iterate on it, pivot or whatever we need to do. But uh, I think mistakes I've made in the past. Early in my career, was I would assume an idea is going to work and spend a lot of time to perfect it before I launch, and only to find out no one wants this thing. Right? Uh, so, over time, I've you know been able to minimize the investment resources, just kind of build the MVP, build the core experience, just have that one functionality that I want to test to ensure this is solving a problem. Get out there, and if it's successful, then build on top of it. But if it's not, quickly iterate, right? Either move on or like iterate or, or pivot. So that's essentially the, the process that I've gotten better at over time. Yeah, you said that you're now in a space where you're looking after a larger team with a larger, more people than previously. What are some of the challenges that have come in that process for you, especially when it comes to you, your leadership? Yeah, it's, uh, you know, I would say it's, Building a process that allows people to collaborate. Everyone is uh, in, a, in, a, in a place where we can hear the best ideas and ensure that 
everyone's super metrics focused and so on. And so I think like it's more building out some process and it's wor working out the different personalities of these leaders, right? And getting everyone aligned on the mission and value and purpose and ensuring that like, you know, feedback and ideas are just a way to make progress here. I think those are kind of things that I think it's not always super easy, right? Like it's essentially like how you're building culture at the companies, right? All those things that I'm talking about right now, it's like, it's the, it's the culture you're building, what kind of uh, culture you want to set for your teams. Changing culture for big organizations is, is definitely tough, right? Mm -hmm. I heard somewhere that it takes at least a year to change culture. And, you know, you just got to get the right people in place and give people the, empower people or give people the flexibility to make decisions of their own. At the same time, like set a very clear vision, right? And then ultimately build out ways that we can collaborate much easier and faster. I think those are kind of things that, you know, it, it takes some time. And then, you know, of course, again, getting people all super aligned on the mission value and the vision and making sure everyone's like, you know, really bought into it, right? Like those kind of things, I think it just takes some time, but, but, uh, uh, it's what I'm learning is like, it's really, really just important to get the right people in, in those spots. Right. <laughs> and then focus on the problem, the solution and product and start building. And part of the leadership is also around modeling, like certain behaviors. So I'm curious for someone who's loves the product, heavily invested, how do you look after yourself? How do you model that side of things to, to your people and your team as well? Like around self-care, mental health? I definitely make it clear, like, hey, um, you shouldn't be in a situation where, like, you have to feel like you're working 24-7, right? Like, it's, uh, we want to have a healthy balance here. Uh, but, you know, ultimately, we want to find people that are really passionate about the space, really want to make a difference, really care about the work. And then, and then, uh, and then from there, it's like, then you set your own time. Like, like, you know, like you don't have to say, I'm going to work it. Like you don't have to worry about that. Kind of stuff. You don't have to worry about like, hey, this, you have to work eight hours a day or nine hours a day or like here's 12 hours or whatever it might be. Right. But if you find the really the right people and the really passionate people in, in, in place, then, and, and they love what they do, then they'll work really hard. Sure question. Like, you know, I, I, I'm definitely like very passionate about what I do. And like, I spend maybe more time than others looking at the space and researching and thinking about it and so on. But, you know, I also make very clear, like, Hey, you take time off when you can like go, cause it's really important actually when you take time off, like you, uh, reset, clear your brain, come back more, with more creative thoughts and ideas. Right. But I saw, I also do the same. I want to go on vacation. Oh, my team, I go on vacation, come back, explain how much fun I had when I did, you know, uh, share pictures I can, but. Uh, so I, I kind of exemplify uh, that with my team as well. So just take time off when you can when you're sick. Take time off, you know. So, so it's not, but that's kind of an expectation I kind of set with my team. But also work hard as well. If you haven't already, can you please follow the podcast? It really helps us grow, and it tells the apps that it's the podcast worth listening to. Which the fact that you're listening to means that it is, and other people need to know about it. An Apple Podcast, if you click the three dots in the top right of your app, look for the follow button and click on it. And in Spotify, the follow button should be just below the show's artwork. Now let's get back into today's episode. What is your long-term vision when it comes to the creator economy? Good question. You know, I, I think that the barrier of entry has gone so much easier now to be a content creator. Right. Anyone that has a cell phone with a, or a smartphone, I guess, with, with the cameras can be potentially content creator. Now there's obviously different levels of skills and, you know, over time, I think we really want to empower people to become content creators and, if they, and, and, and give them the right tools, sets and skills to be better and better over time. Ultimately, you know, we want to build a, an economy where the right people have the right tools to essentially build businesses around what they are good at. And then I think that's where, that's essentially how we're coming at it. It's like, hey, if you want to be an entrepreneur as a content creator, you know, you should have the right tools, you should have the right services, and you should have 
uh, everything at your fingertips to be able to be successful. Uh, the, the knowledge, uh, the teams, and whatever it might be. So I think that's essentially what we're trying to build and accomplish our company and uh, and give you everything you need, essentially giving everything you need to be successful. I like that. I'm just there reflecting and thinking about so how, how much impact that can make because I think a lot of times say the people that come into this and they don't have a clue around the the business side of things. They're good at creating content, but everything else which makes it sustainable business for them, they don't have a clue about. And you always find yourself scrambling different spaces and places trying to find things out or get research. You don't know what's good, what's bad, what's different. But having that one-stop shop with everything there built purposely for that audience is, is critical. Yeah. You know, we, we want to be the most creator-focused company in the world, right? And we, pro- we want to provide the best tools and services and education so that these creators have the best chance for success. That's essentially what we want to provide. And how we get there will change over time and evolve. But essentially, that's, the same. that's our vision. Have you learned to ignore the noise from competitors? Because when I think back to like, your time with us at TikTok and Amazon, there were times when, like you said, other companies are going to copy what you do. And I'm sure that can be frustrating sometimes, but it can also be very invigorating. Okay, we're going to do something else. So how do you like learn to just drown out that noise and focus on your vision, your North Star, rather than being so annoyed and frustrated at one other company? We keep our eye on the customer and the customer problems and ensuring that we're focusing on that, right? First and foremost, that's number one. That's like, hey, what is it that we could potentially do to make our customers' lives easier. What can we do to help them make more money? What can we do to help them reach their audience? You know, what is it can we, we can do to improve their content quality or, you know, what type of content we build out for them uh, or that they, they can build for themselves, right? So that's first and foremost, the most important thing. That's not saying that we're never going to look at the competition. The co- competition will always be something that we look, you know, we review and see what they're, working on what they're building but you know overall it's not it hasn't it's not a most critical factor in how we make decisions right and if anything like i think what we do is we look at trying to solve the hardest problem possible right we look at you know and typically you'll, you'll notice like a lot of competitors are not even playing that space because it's so hard right <laughs> that's what we do it's like hey what's the hardest pro- customer problem we can solve and then what's and what's the you know what we could potentially do to solve it and notice a lot of the times that the competitors are not playing the space because it's so hard. It's the something around you operate in a space that's difficult, that seems to be like invigorating for you. Yeah. I mean, it's, uh, again, I think, I guess, kind of how I think, right? It's like, if it's easy, then everyone's going to do it, right? I mean, you can kind of see what a lot of people are offered today. You know, if you, you'll notice like, a lot of our competitors, right? Like they, offer very similar experiences, you know, and that's not what differentiates what a great company. So I think, uh, you know, it's just important to make sure you, again, you're focusing on things that's really going to change the business for our, for our customers and focus on the most important meaty problems. And I think the challenges you focus on are going to be, again, like the ones that will really have a material positive impact on your customers' lives. Like, the, the, I guess another way to look at it is like, hey, if you're Always looking at your competitors, you're always second. You're always like following, right? Versus like you, if you focus, keep your eye on the customer and focus on the customer solving that problem. Like you'll find some really immediate problems to solve for, and then you'll always, you'll always be first. People are following because you built something you really, you know, solve this really complex, challenging, immediate problem that people, other people aren't willing to solve for. You solve it, yeah, and then you'll, you're, and then people are following after that point. Of all the things you've, accomplishing all the different companies you've worked in, are there one or two things that you are most proud of? It may sound kind of silly, but when I was at Amazon, it was, uh, I didn't come from a, you know, a background where I had like a MBA. I didn't come from like a prestigious, like a Ivy League school, right? Which didn't a lot of people work. And, you know, I was shoulder to shoulder working with some of the best, brightest people in the world. And, uh, Getting promoted there is actually a really big deal to, you know, to that new level, right? To 
at, at the time, I was like, you know, L7. I, don't, I mean, I was working so hard to try to promote it. And, uh, you know, it was uh, a lot of blood, sweat, and tears. Uh, I'll tell you, it's not, it's not easy. But then once, you know, I was, you know that happened, I was like, wow, like, I, 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 I made it, right? So I think I, that was a really, really interesting accomplishment there. I also, you know, I, I launched really some really great products when I was there as well with the team. We launched uh, the really amazing cancellation experience for Prime memberships that really helped Prime members uh, understand the value of the experience of the membership. So I think that's a really, really, uh, really great product that we launched while we're there. At TikTok, yeah, there's a lot of really great products we've launched while we're there. Like we, we launched uh, together as a team, like the Stitch feature. I don't know if you've heard of that feature. Uh, the Stitch feature essentially allows creators to watch someone's content and then stitch their own ending on the end. Yeah, so that's something that our team worked on uh, because we felt like creators were doing this outside the app. We wanted to make this experience much easier. Like, hey, there's an existing behavior. How do you then allow that behavior to happen in the app? We built it. And then the use cases that came after that were really amazing. Use cases that we never even thought would actually happen, right? People were then asking the audience questions and people would switch, stitch their own ending. And then after that experience is when we started building additional collaborative features that really help uh, improve the app experience. So I think like those are, I think that's a feature that I, the, the team has really worked on that were really, really amazing. That's why I always leave that, made that question quite open. I was curious to see what was important to you. And it was quite interesting you led with, you worked hard to get that promotion. <laughs> You made it happen. Edit that one out, yeah. Because like uh, I thought about, it, I was like, yeah, is it really something I should probably? Hell yeah, just celebrate because it's not. It's never easy. You know how hard it was for you. So I think it's. I think it's important. It was tough at the time, right? At the time, back you know, this was many, many, many years ago. It, it was definitely a, a lot of work, and it was it was very tough. So I think, uh, yeah. So I think like when it happened, I'm like, yeah, of course, I was like really proud of that moment. What was it about getting that promotion that made so much to you? Yeah. So I didn't get the promotion the first time around. And it was really, I was really discouraged. And at the time, I was like, man, like, you know, uh, why, why didn't I get it? And, and uh, you know, I, I had to think about it a lot. And I had to pick myself up and say, hey, you know what? I want to show up 110% every single day. I want to I wanna make sure that there is absolutely no doubt the next time around that you know the promotion cycle comes up that I should be able, I should get this promotion. And I did, I had to, you know, uh really just ensure that uh you know I, I deliver my best and and show up every single every single meeting, you know, you know, and, and give it my all. And uh, and and I think that's why it was such a really important moment in my life is because, you know, there was uh, that I guess like failure, right? And disappointment of it not happening. And then learning from that experience and then doing everything you can to ensure that you're successful the second time around. I think that's why it's, you know, it was just a really important moment for me. Live your quotes. That's the name of the newsletter that you need to subscribe to. Go on www.everydayleadership.co.uk, subscribe to Live Your Quotes. It's a bi-weekly newsletter that comes out with a quote with some information on how I'm looking at that quote, how that relates to my life to make it more real and authentic and come alive for you. As well as bits and pieces, it might be books I'm reading, it might be some other content I'm tapping into and some bits and pieces around the podcast. It's a nice, short, succinct newsletter, which I know you're gonna enjoy. But to enjoy it, you need to subscribe to it. So again, if you go to the podcast website, www.everydayleadershippodcast.co.uk, you'll be able to get access to Leave Your Quote newsletter. Now let's get back into the episode. And um, I guess my last question to you would be, how do you define leadership? I think there's a few ways to define it. It's, it's, um, leadership is being able to set the vision, mission, and purpose. Being able to 
empower the teams to help meet that uh, vision, vision, right? And then it's also being humble enough to know what you're good at and what you're not good at. And having the right people with you to help you accomplish uh, your vision. It's been a pleasure listening to your experiences and it's been quite really inspiring, actually, to come up from where you were and hustling back then to where you are right now and kind of coming full circle. But having that, um, you say that fire still burning in a way that keeps on driving you forward to so like keep on creating and to see to see change happen, especially in the current greater economy, which is your current focus right now. For me, it's super inspiring. Appreciate your time today. And is there anything that you want people to tap into that you're doing right now? Well, I mean, I, I definitely want people to learn more about Kajabi. I think, you know, it's it's not as well known as TikTok or Amazon, obviously. We have a lot of work to do there, but it's a very powerful platform that helps creators, market publishers sell their digital content, such as uh, video courses, podcasts, uh, newsletters, like coaching, live stream, and so on. We have over 60,000 customers that have made $4 billion today. Right? So incredibly successful businesses that are run on this platform. Hundreds of thousands of businesses have been created. I think on average, creators make 30K a year. These are numbers that are like almost unheard of in the creator economy space, right? Uh, so, you know, some of these creators have made over $100 million, like really, really successful platform. And it's because it's the, the tools itself, it's the services that we offer behind it, and this community. We have a lot of creators here that are just ready to help each other out. As soon as you come, it's a really welcoming community that are handing people the playbook saying, here's how I reach success. Here's how you can make it too. Here are the steps to building a really amazing business. That's something that I definitely want to make sure that more people realize with, uh, with Kajabi. And as someone who's used Kajabi in the past as well, I can also verify every single thing that Sean is saying. Um, it was actually back from back George using and it was very easy to use it's like plug and play but to be honest which is why I enjoyed it the most because I, I don't code <laughs> so, so I wanted a no code solution and it kind of uh, tapped into that and made it a lot easier so highly recommend the job as well for sure this is Eric with Leadership we'll see you next week while you're still recovering from that amazing conversation let me give you a quick preview of what we got coming up next week. Make sure you subscribe so you don't miss out. In any company, people want to be seen and heard and valued.